Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, Nottingham Forest podcast, Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and I'm joined today by a returning guest in former Redmond fielder and Sky Sports presenter David Protton. Good afternoon, Prots. How are you? I'm very well, Matt. How are you? I'm enjoying that music. Is that is that a new addition? It's, it gets you pumped, doesn't it? That? I like it. <laughs> it gets stuck in your head if you present this for a year. You can't really I escape it. it. You just walk around your house going, Dan-a-na, Dan-a-na. no, it's good. It's good. I like it. It's like when, when we do... Um, when we do uh, our bits and pieces on the telly when we're doing the games, and there's, a, there's obviously huge departments that when you're watching it and all these shots are coming in, the music goes over it and the graphics that spend a lot of time doing that. And I, I'm always on them to like, I mean, can we get them, like, their rock music in? But like, especially <laughs> Saturday lunchtime, you want to come flying in there, you're like, yeah, let's go. And they always kind of turn me down. But uh, no, it's, I think it's, it's the vital part of getting you in the mood and that has got me in the mood, so well done. Good, good. We shall talk some Nottingham Forest uh, mm. imminently. I should give everyone a warning. If you hear me beeping every 20 minutes and something inflating, that is my blood pressure monitor that I have to wear for the next 24 hours, which I told you to about for is an absolute bloody nightmare. You would think, you know, not because it's on the NHS, because God love the NHS, but you would think it'd be some magnificent technology, but it's actually a massive rig that goes around my arm. Not demonstrating that very well, and then round my back. You know, he... you've just shown us your elbow more than anything else. I know. But... Hang on, no one wants to <laughs> see this. Let's go. talk about football. No one wants to see or hear this. <laughs> Let's talk about Nottingham Forest. Oh, we all um, wish you well. That's the main thing. There you go. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, Forest, then, as we're here, yes. actually, to talk about. You've seen them recently a few times against Derby, against Watford. What have you made of them? Um, it's been. It's a funny stage of the season that we're talking about this because I think across the board, we're seeing the results of teams having a hell of a lot of games, uh, having a very short break and in search of some form of uh, continuity with how the season's gone so far. I think undoubtedly what what's happened with Chris, he's steadied the ship, he's done uh, a lot of the very good things that needed to be done, i.e. make them more solid defensively and harder to beat. It's just if you take away, if you if you look at the the derby against derby if you look at the game against Watford it's it's a well it's a well kind of travelled opinion on Forest lots of effort lots of endeavour this season the quality though in the final third is missing um, and I think that's something that I, I presume would frustrate all Forest fans but but on the flip side of it is if we're erring on the side of positivity. Um, given how they started the season, given how um, at times it looked quite dangerous, the situation that they're in, and quite obviously not completely and utterly 100% safe as yet, um, I think the st- steady increments that Chris has made defensively maybe just masks their lack of uh, poke going forward. 
thanks for everyone who's commented on my blood pressure. No, Rotting Forest does not do anything good for your blood pressure, Richard Leonard or Greg Oram. Um, and also, we'll break on another tangent. Lee Tilson, we were talking about your Serie A work before we started this. Lee Tilson is a fan of your Serie A commentary. <laughs> so he knows where you get it, which that's that we will have to ask him where, where on earth you get it. I think I'm trying to I'm trying to work out. It's, it'll be on some obscure channel, but that that's very nice. It's it's a delight to do. Um, and again, it's funny because I've, I've, I've got the privilege, obviously, um, the the completely ridiculous privilege of being able to talk about different football matches in different levels. And w- there's a lot of similarities. Uh, forget b- before people jump in and say so, a lot of similarities between Forest and perhaps a Serie A team that I might have done recently. But in the sense of lots of games, um, players that are being asked to to go through very very quick successions of matches and runs of matches and. There's the, the the levels do dip and they do and they do soar across most of the football that we're seeing. So uh, I think like without wanting to knit together this whole chat before we've even had it, there's a lot to be positive about Forest. But for the majority of the teams, I think it's getting towards the end of this season and having a chance to have a take a, a step back, have a breath, and just work out where on earth we're going next. There's a question from Richard Otway, which kind of leans into what we we're talking mm. about about the lack of cutting edge. He talks about a lack of pace, which we've spoken about before on this podcast, and also mm. where they're taking shots from. And I'd add to that where they're crossing the ball from. Have you noticed that, that they're not really creating too many glaring opportunities, are they? No, there's a, in, in the second half in the Watford game, a couple of decent balls are put in by Anthony. Um, didn't really... Not in the position where... I think, I think one of the... the Possibly one of the better chances or the most um, forward-thinking of chances was a cross into the box for Gates and Bong to try and get his head on, which you're kind of thinking if that's what, with the greatest respect, if that's what Forrest are relying on to get themselves in games and they're going to struggle with that. I think Glenn offers them something different. Lyle has got goals in him, but hasn't necessarily hit the ground running with that. Obviously, we know Lewis can score goals at this level as well. Um, Luke Freeman's even, he, he reading his comments during the course of the week about Forest fans haven't seen the best of him, which I think is 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 nice and honest from a player that wants to come and impress. Um, and Sammy Amiobi is another player. It sounds like he may be he may be moving on to pastures new when the season finishes. But it's it's tough because in theory, like like we said, a fit Lewis Graben gets you fifteen goals a season, doesn't he? But there's got to be people players on that <clears throat> peripheral level that are are going to contribute and. It's it's a tough one because if it's a personnel thing, then quite obviously they've got to wait. They've got to wait till the summer, and then from there, cut the cloth accordingly. Whether there's money to be had to be used to bring that type of of, of wicked pace in, Alex Martin is is a player that's got pace. But you know what I mean? It's it's about the development of these players and getting these players in, into the side at the right time. I tell you, one that does intrigue me, the potential of what he might may have next season is is Brennan Johnson and what he would bring. Uh, to the forward line because he's done obviously very well on loan at Lincoln. It's a it's a big step up coming back to Forest and being able to play for a club of that stature. But there, there's there's a bright light to perhaps look toward. That's not me placing Forest put sole attacking potential on the on the shoulders of one very young man. But um, it, it's it's strange and um, I, I do sympathise with with Forest fans because. Um, I'm guessing there's a there's a fair bit of head scratching going on with with how this season has got to where it is and how it's going to end. 
Yeah, there's certainly a growing consensus about the strikers and the need to sign mm. at least one striker, probably two. There's more, there's a few people saying that already. Mm. Well, what do you think about that? Because Murray's 37, but we know Houston loves him. Taylor's only signs last summer and he's mm. 30. I think actually he might be 31 very soon. And then Graben's 33. And there's a case to be made that he's on the wane, but then there's also a case to be made that he's got proven pedigree and might bounce back and score 20 goals next season. Do you think it's a dilemma for Hewton to what he, whether he sticks or twists? No, I do. I, I think you. I think the fact and having been a player of a certain age that is perceived in a certain way, um, then I think once you do get into the 30s bracket, not just just turn. As you say, thirty-three and with Glenn, but I mean, it's, it's no surprise at all with what Glenn's been. He's, Glenn's never been. There's a lot of, of very, very good things Glenn Murray is, but out and out pace has never really been one of those. So, um, whether it's a case of playing him with a another to facilitate that, but two up front seems to be something that, particularly at Forest in recent seasons, and maybe this there's a, there's a broader chat about football, uh, what's fashionable in football, and what's what, what's the in. But uh, sorry, the Vogue kind of formation. But sometimes sticking two centre forwards up without sound, making it sound too much like it's straightforward gives you a better chance of getting goals, doesn't it? Especially when you you can have decent delivery with whether it's knockout whipping balls in or, or Joe Lolly whipping balls in. Then um, that that's a, a potential option. But no, I, I do think there is something for for Chris to ponder it in the summer. But if you're going to get a player in, that's going to you can't guarantee goals, can you? If you're going to get a player in that you want to get at least 15, pushing 20 and, and hopefully more, then it's it's just, it's it's going to cost money. It's a big challenge. I watched a player last night um, in the Sunderland Pompey game, Charlie White. 26 goals he's got in all competitions this season. 21 in that particular division. Yes, it's a, it's a step up. Yes, it's a different football club. Obviously, Sunderland with, with greater experience of the Premier League in more recent years than Forrest have had. Um, but I guess he would. There'd be a premium on a play like that. Um, whether he'd want to move would be a different thing. And this is obviously me just hypothetically talking about a player that's quite obviously under contract with another team. But there are players out there. It's just whether these players, like a Lyle, who was very vocal about wanting to come out of Charlton, wanted to make sure that the next contract, the next club, was big enough and befitted what he thought he could do. He's still got to prove himself, and just because someone doesn't hit the ground running immediately doesn't mean to say that that's them done at Forest. Just means that there's there's a, a bigger onus on him next year to score goals. There's a few people saying, um, like Jeff Cott at Plymouth and Piggott at Wimbledon. Mm. When you, that's a gamble as well, though, isn't it? I mean, they're pro- quite young. Chris Hewton's going to be under pressure at the start of next season because he's not in Forest manager. That's inevitable. Mm. It's a, it's a, it's not an easy thing to do to build a squad, is it? When you've got to take a punt on someone somewhere, I suppose. It's it's not, and, and given just before we we came on, we were chatting about, and we'll come on to it about the the championship next season and the disparity perhaps in clubs, the haves and the have-nots, um, the the broader financial landscape of what Forest have got to deal with, obviously within the championship, is something that's got to come into it as well. Obviously, at one stage, we were all looking forward to the, the redevelopment of the ground, weren't we? And how wonderful that looked. And I don't quite know where, what, where that is in a sense of uh, what, what financial commitments come above that, below that, how, how that pans out. But um, I think Forest fans would prefer a bright, shiny new team rather than somewhere which in due course would possibly happen if success came after that would be something that they'd address with regards to the ground. But 
Um, and, and going, going back to the point you made about the players that we're talking about, anybody who comes in, regardless of level that they've been at, potential that they've, they've shown or proven to, to have, the, a, a transfer, a signing is always a portion of it's going to be a gamble. So um, it's it's just really intriguing. I mean, it's it's one that I think when you are looking from the out, when you're from the outside looking in, you're intrigued to see what the next portal call is. But it's a hell of a job that Chris has got in his hands. But it's a different, and it'll it'll be a different remit going into the, into next season. It absolutely has to be because of the teams that we see potentially going up and the teams that we see in the middle ground of the championship. I was just inflating then if anyone could you were beating were you that, that wasn't that was me reversing beating. on one of my opinions <laughs> going, going right back over something that we said <laughs> um, you said about people doubting you when you reach an age as a player what was your attitude to that when you were playing did it drag you down or not or did it fire you up well, it, well, that happened with, uh, about seventeen with me. So I had to spend fifteen years making sure, <laughs> making sure that you pushed it to that. Well, you, you just get to, get to the point where there's a perception of a player of a certain age that um, it, it comes it comes to us all, regardless of what 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 time of, of your career it is, where you you deem to be past it, or legs have gone, or. <clears throat> Or players aren't as robust as they once were, and I always kind of thought it was up to you to prove them wrong because it happens all the way through your career. There's always opinions, and that's what makes it such a wonderful thing to discuss. And that's what um, when you listen to Forest fans and the way that they talk and their perception of their team or the different perceptions of the, of the players in it, that's what makes it fascinating. And the, the, those doubts that you get. Uh, 30 plus I know they're different in perhaps what the subject of them is but there's no difference to what you have as a, as a footballer whether you you turn pro at 16 and people have got doubts about whether you'll actually become a professional or play in the first team or get a run of games in the first team or do it at a different level there's a constant um, uh, a constant uh, sequence of events where you've got to prove yourself and the narrative in your head as well I are you good enough to do this? Am I good enough to play in this team? Am I good enough to keep going? Have I got the desire, the ability, the the uh, ambition to keep pushing yourself further and further on? And to get someone like Glenn at 37, I mean, what he's done in his career has been absolutely phenomenal. Whether Forrest see the absolute best version of Glenn Murray at 37, I don't know. But they'll get a hell of a uh, member of a squad and a team that I think would only benefit the, the players around him. The other thing I was going to ask you from your personal experience mm. is you'll have played in teams that can't hit the back of the net for love nor money. How do you get out of that? How do you break that that rut? Well, I mean, I mean, given my very minimal goal scoring attributes, you just relied a hell of a lot on the lads that were there to do that. Um, I think, and sometimes it just works. If you take that Forest side that got to the playoffs, I left in the January of two thousand three, but you had. David Johnson and Marlon Harewood, both both at least 20 goals. I don't know whether they both got to 25, but they were they were two players that had had different attributes completely. Um they had the they had the the bit in common which was the was which was the turn of pace. And I like to think that that particular side played in quite an expansive way that created a lot of chances. Um which makes it again sound so very straightforward. But it was it, it was quite a, an open attacking side with energy and legs and a lot of a fearlessness that comes with having a lot of young players that care deeply about the job and the fans, but not 
not fearful of, of doing things wrong. So when you think about teams, I mean, apologies for, for using a reference from almost 20 years ago, but that's um, when you are in teams <clears throat> where that's been a bit of a problem, it's back to basics. It's, it's, it's playing to the striker's strengths, whether that's getting the ball into the box a lot quicker than usual, whether that's making sure that when... Because it was, it was fascinating because I've sat with um, Gary Monk doing a game a few weeks back and done a few with him and know Gary from a, lot, a long time back. And he, he was talking about the way lines as teams that were to a front with, with uh, games in the championship being won by the odd goal and more often than not coming from set pieces and mistakes. And subsequently, the next four games I watched were all this mistake-laden games where you think, oh, he's back to what he said. So if, if games are that tight, then you look at a Forest side with players that can deliver a decent ball into the box. And then it's not only the, stri- on, the onus on the strikers to score goals, it's about spreading it around because, uh, again, we we looked at stats in the um, in the run-up to games as, as, as people that possibly tuning might see and, and then Forrest top scorer Lyle Taylor comes on four goals to his name joint top scorer with Mr OG as in goals that had gone in against Forrest from other players which is is for a team and a club maybe not a team but a club that should be in the upper reaches at least of that division it's it's not good enough is it? Uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about just going to double check your blood pressure there. Whether you've just got... <laughs> well, we'll do in about 18 minutes. Uh, Don't worry about referencing that Paul Hart team. I do it all the time. It was a team I grew up watching. <laughs> Is it bad that I grew up? Well, I didn't grow up. We're, all, we're the same age. That, but I used to I was watch, gonna, you know, that For a minute there, that, that made me sound very, very old. Very, but, very um, old. But no, I used to watch that team all the time. My favourite Forest team. It, it, it was, and it was, um, it's funny because I was, um, I was in, Harrogate yesterday, having a, uh, or the day before, having a little bit of physio done, uh, uh, again, as you, as you kind of have a bit of maintenance. And it's Gary Fleming, who was our physio at the time. He's got practice now up in York and, and Harrogate and does a bit in, in Nottingham as well. And we were chatting about the very same thing, which might, if, if people are listening and watching this going, Christ, lads, any chance of you moving on from that, from that period of time a long time ago? But that's your most relevant touchstone. And we were chatting about, the players that were in it and, and how it was. And even even in the staff as well, the, the dynamics of who was there, Paul with, with Chaz and the fact they had Liam with him and Bomber and, and Flem himself wasn't that far removed from coming out of the game and being and being a younger physio. It was a great energy, a great dynamic to it all. And it was it was fantastic because, again, we, we were... I can't remember which game we were doing the other week and... Uh, it was Bournemouth Forest. So we had Simon Francis in, who, of course, is from Nottingham, and Viv Anderson. We, who, and anyone, anyone who's met Viv will know that he's just a glorious human being, a lovely, lovely fella. And, and we sat chatting and sometimes, and apologies if I'm going off a bit of a tangent here, but you, you obviously were look, looking at shots of the game and of, of the city ground and the trend end and, and the cameras panning around. Oh, no one's there, which is just an absolute travesty. But, it comes up where there's a, a picture of Brian Clough that comes in the montage before the players come out on the big screen. And it just gives, gives you a chance to ask Viv Anderson, European Cup winner Viv Anderson, what it was like and how it was. And it, yes, it's football from yesteryear. Yes, it feels like a different era. But to sit with people that have played for that particular club and actually done things with that, I mean, proper things with that particular football club, Stuart Pearce as well, it's just immense. And it just re- reminds you when we are in these fallow periods and as a Forest fan dealing with the, the 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 thick and the thin of what it takes to follow this particular football club then 
that's what keeps people coming back and hopefully it brings them back in droves once you can come in and um, sound out your um, both your praise and your um, frustration in, in person and in full voice, doesn't it? Which uh, we hope we get, like I said, a tangent, but we hope it's very soon. Bringing it back to the present day then. It's, <laughs> to, it's, to something ham- relevant, yeah. To something relevant, ham-fistedly, my link is going to be. Do you see... It's Reading on Saturday. Do you see any similarities mm. in that Reading team with the team that you came through in? Because they've got a Lucas Shaw who's scoring a lot of goals, having not done a lot for a number of years, which is sort of a David Johnson comparison. And then yeah. they've got some young players coming through and they play quite vibrant football. They come from not nowhere, but they, they weren't overly fancied. Do you see any similarities with that Reading team? And then obviously your thoughts on the game and if you think Forrest can actually nick a, a point or a win. Well, they, they can because they are, they are prone to slipping up Reading, but they've been consistently very good. You've got to say over the course of the season. I think you're absolutely right to reference those types of players. Joao was having a, a fantastic year. I think something that he, that Wednesday fans would say they saw in fits and starts, there was that, that consistent level. And maybe when he was at Wednesday, I mean, coming up against the likes of Hooper, Fletcher, Atty, Nuhiu, I mean, there were plenty of winners. I mean, there was plenty of centre forwards there, Jordan Rhodes, another one, plenty of centre forwards there that were battling out for that particular position. But he seems to have found himself front and centre at Reading, which has really, really helped him. Michael Olise is a fantastic player. Um, Omar Rich is, of course, a man that's going to be moving on to one of the, the biggest clubs in European football, if not world football, at the end of the season when he goes to Munich. So there, there are similarities. And I think and, and it, uh, with Reading, even though we are talking about a side with Premier League experience, you've got to say that going into this season, that level of expectation perhaps wasn't there with it, with a team such as that. Um, so that obviously helps. Um, that obviously helps when you are looking at a team going into a season without that much expectation. And maybe, like I said, with the similarities of that Forest side, which had come off the back of not too... Because it because it was it was ninety nine wasn't it when they came out of the Premier League, um, and then yeah. we had the young the, the the real turnaround with different managers. Obviously, um, Dave Bassett being there, Ron Atkinson, and David Platt coming, and then Paul taking over from uh, David, and then that upswing of getting young players into the side, whether that was by demand or by necessity, you don't know. Because uh, I'm not too far with that particular time about how that comes about. You're just happy to be playing and part of something like that. So there, there are similarities, and again, maybe with the similarities with that, with that squad of, yes, we've got a good team. Yes, we've got a good squad. Do we presume to be promotion contenders? Quietly, possibly yes. But from the outside looking in, you go, well, maybe give them a few years to to meld together. But there was an almost instantaneous hit with all that coming together, and um, Reading found themselves in a, in a cracking position and. Forest have definitely got to be worried because they've got they have got players that can really do them some damage, as was shown. Obviously, putting Wednesday to the sword at the uh, the weekend, so it's going to be tough. But it's, it begins a run of games, doesn't it, Matt? As we were chatting before we came on here, that it's, it's that Forest are going to will they know more about themselves after playing teams that are going for promotion? I don't know, but I think it'll give them a decent yardstick of hopefully where they should be come next season. Yeah, I mean. It's- Reading, Norwich, Brentford and uh, Cardiff are the next four mm. games. So Forest are on 40 points, eight points above the relegation zone. Still not quite safe. Would you be still be worried about them going down or their three well, worst teams? Well, I think, I mean, given what we've seen from Wickham, Wednesday are on a really, really poor run out. They've a job that Darren Moore stepped into there. 
Um, and I think between Coventry, Birmingham and Rotherham, I'll chuck Derby in there just to keep Forest fans happy as well. Possibly Huddersfield as well. Um, there's, there's certainly there's, there's certainly teams below them. I, I certainly think there's three worse teams there than than them, particularly in the in the Championship. Of course, I do. Um, and it, it's given where they are, as you say, it's close enough to feel that little bit of discomfort. But there's a nice enough gap to think that the rest of the season should be about looking upwards rather than looking over the shoulders. Because yes, there's a tough run of games coming. But as you've seen, the inconsistencies that have been shown down the bottom, Birmingham, one minute looking like they're getting dragged in, the next minute stringing a couple of results together. Rotherham, you've got to look at the games in hand that they've got because they are stacking up now, aren't they? So that's something else that uh, uh, Forrest have to, have to be wary of. And as for someone like a Coventry, if they grit their teeth and stay above the dotted line, then that's been a hell of a season for them. But going back to Forrest, it's, it's got to be about consolidation quicker than... Uh, as quick as possible, and it, it's just it's just a diverse range of emotions from what we saw at the end of last season, isn't it? As opposed to what we're seeing with this. Who would be your three to go down? I think uh, Wickham. As much as I love what Gareth has done with that particular football club, but um, getting him into the top tier is is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, so the top tier, the second tier, the highest tier that they've got into. I mean, Christ, can imagine if they got him in the Premier League? That, that would be literally <laughs> phenomenal. Um, so. It looks like an instant return for them. Rotherham, not too sure about, given um, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of them, but those games in hand might just seem through. Wednesday, again, pains me to say, but it looks like a monumental uh, achievement that they're going to have to create to get out of this. Um, and maybe the setting up with Darren in charge of a League One side next season to ultimately bounce back. And then after that, I can't overly see, I mentioned Derby, but whether they get sucked into it, I don't know. Then I think it's, a another of Coventry, Birmingham, and Rotherham, which is uh, it's tough, really tough, mightily big clubs that are down there. Which, when you look at what um, they've all had to put up with from a fan base point of view, they don't really deserve to to go through that again, do they? No, no. I would go. Not that people give a. Not that people care what I, I think, do. I, I do. It's I debate. Go, all right. Well, I'll go Wickham. Wednesday, even though they're one of your mm. old clubs, they look really mm. doomed. It's, and it's, then I think. I think Birmingham would be the third one, but I because mm. I work across the Midlands for our company. I don't think yeah. Coventry are very confident that they'll stay up, and they seem to have enough about them. I wouldn't bank mm. on Derby not going down to the wire. They last two games they've been very poor, and they mm. lumped all their eggs in a lot of kids coming in in January. And Lee Gregory yeah. didn't bank on getting a load of goals, so I uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Derby were very nervous. I don't think Forest will be worried after these four games, touch words, to start, you know, they, their running's fairly mm. favourable. So I would go, yeah, Wickham, Wednesday and Birmingham to go down. Yeah, I, I can see all those. Are, are you looking at Rotherham with all those games in hand? But it's funny, isn't it? Because, again, chatting to the lads that we, uh, the, the guests that we have the pleasure of chatting to, it's, it, we, you can almost subconsciously be drawn to games in hand as, as that's all right then. It's, we've got four mm. games in hand, boom, 12 points there, you think. Well, it's a, you know, what I mean, it's not quite as straightforward as as that is, and it's um, it's funny. It's it's where the Rotherham find themselves in that position where they're, they're going to be a yo-yo club between League One and, and the Championship, and whether um, someone like Birmingham gets sucked into it because, as I said, when they're good, 
they're decent, but when they're not, it's it's a tough watch, I think, when it comes to Birmingham, isn't it? And it, it's it's just a shame that there's a lot of Midlands-based uh, football clubs there that you get to cover, Matt. <laughs> We're off fighting at the wrong end of the division. <laughs> true, true. I, do, I think Rotherham, uh, it might be a case of Birmingham being worse than Rotherham. Birmingham being mm. that bad that they barely get another point and Rotherham scrape enough or that kind of scenario, maybe. Yeah, again, I, I can I can see all of that, but I also think, as you say, when you talk about Derby going to the wire, given what we saw with Forest and Swansea at the end of the last season, it's I don't think there's not many things that are beyond comprehension when it comes to thinking how that table could possibly look come the end of the season, is there? Mm-hmm. Just um, before we switch gears and talk about Forest into the summer, mm-hmm. who are the three who are going up? Do you think? Um, Norwich, Norwich I think, are pretty boxed off, 10 points clear. It's funny as well, isn't it? When you, when you hear managers, I, I think it was Thomas Frank the other week and uh, there's another one in recent week, maybe Cisco at Watford, who were even there kind of talk, whether it's a reverse psychology thing, but they're all talking like Norwich are home and hoes, aren't they? Which I think given what we've seen, uh, given how good Wendy has been, Pookie's been, I mean, I could go, th- go through the list of players that they've got that have been fantastic. Um then if they end up top of the tree, then there won't be many people, whether you're a neutral fan or a fan of someone else, that would say they don't deserve it. And then that fight for second space, I think, is is very, very intriguing when you look at Watford, who have got it at the moment, but Swansea with game in hand, with games in hand and Brentford with games in hand, even though we saw uh, Swansea in action last night. But given the, the rub of the green that they had in the previous two games with those late penalties, you get the feeling something might just be happening with Swansea that gets them into... Um, second spot and then after that Brentford we saw climb to the top of the tree have a little wobble whether that was to do with the pressure whether that was to do with um, the injury list that they've got to contend with both of those things have got to come into it I think Barnes is an intriguing one if Barnsley are there at the end of the season after crashing into the playoffs on I think was it seven wins on the spin ludicrous run of form um, which sees them as contenders after hanging on by the skin of the teeth didn't they last season um, so let me think. Norwich, yes. Swansea, potential for second. Then after that, toss it between Watford and Brentford, I'd say. I would go yeah. Norwich first, Brentford second, and mm-hmm. either Barnsley or Cardiff to brutalise their way through the playoffs and Thank just batter you. teams into submission and then be awful in the Premier League. But watching them play. <laughs> I don't know if you see it on Twitter, are you? But there's um, a clip of Birmingham and Barnsley. It's 50 seconds long of just absolutely horrific football. And I think that might be how Barnsley do it. I don't know. Oh, don't worry. I've been part of many horrific football matches. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But I think with um, I think when you look at Barnsley and what they've managed to do when managers have moved on and, and they've changed whoever's at the top, um, they're a high-energy side that like to press. I mean... Pressing is quite obviously very, very fashionable in football. Um, and they've got players like Daryl DK and Alex Mowat that really do operate very well at this level. So um, they've got they've got that chance of, of being in the playoffs with a lack of expectation, which might just serve them well. And given what we've seen from Cardiff since Mick's gone in, he's not really done too much more than we thought Mick could do, to be honest. I say he's, he might attract... Oh, I might have. Can you attract detractors? You might have detractors in at certain brackets and a certain snobbishness that comes with viewing football. But he knows how to make that t- side particularly so far effective. And I think you're absolutely right. It'd be an intriguing proposition to see 
um, them perhaps upsetting the status quo. And we, when we looked a few weeks back uh, or a couple of months back, and thought Bournemouth would walk it with the squad that they've got, Watford would walk it with the squad that they've got, and those two teams in particular not having done that, but still in in the mix. Let's uh, we'll get back to Forest then. You talk yeah. about a, yeah, a manager who knows what they're doing. I, I assume you're going to tell me Chris Hewitt should stay for Forest next season because he knows what he's yeah. doing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? As well with perception, you look at and again, not trying to come instantly off Forest as soon as we start talking about. It. So you look at the position that Brighton find themselves in with Graham Potter out of the bottom three in the Premier League on goal difference, but the, a perception that the football's better. But yes, highest ever league finish for them last season. Um, but they were looking for a, for an evolution of what Chris brought. So, again, perception sometimes wins out in football. But I think um, what I've, what we've the, the remit from Chris coming in was to get Forrest away from trouble as soon as possible, and he's steadily managed to incrementally get them better. Has it been the upswing that's seen them fly into the top half, a la um, Cardiff or Barnsley or teams such as that? No, it's not. But it's there's, there's certainly. As I said, there's a certain solidity that's been brought to a, a defence and, and a team that looked fragile, that I, I felt, and almost looked a bit callow. So, yes, it's been better. And yes, he knows how to get a team out of this division, which I, I, you'd think Forest fans are, ha- are hanging the hat on. Um, but he is, a, he is a manager of a certain ilk, whether you want dynamism, whether you want histrionics and and uh, animation on the sideline it is a different debate altogether, but he can only work with the team that he's got. And the team that he's got over the course of a season, given where it, where it is, hasn't performed as it should do, hasn't been as consistent as it, sh- as it should be. Um, therefore, whether that's, whether that's a personnel thing that he addresses in, in the summer or just a, a change in the approach, because um, time's slipping by. It's ebbing away, isn't it, when you look at Forest in the second tier? It's been way, way too long. What about in the summer in terms of building a squad then? Obviously, we don't know what the mm. budget's going to be. And they've, they've got a few out-of-contract players, four or five on loan. It's, you don't want to see another big clear-out after what happened last summer, but do you think there might be one coming or not? Well, I mean, given given what the pandemic has chucked up as well, whether it's, it's A, going to be easy to get players out that don't want to go anywhere because they realise that, they're onto a good thing at Forest, and then being able to move players from other sides with whatever finances they've got at their disposal. I think if, if you're looking for a team that's greater than the sum of its parts, I mean, if you look at the starting eleven from the Watford game with Samba Warrell, Figueroa, Christie Bong, Kravinovic, Freeman, Knockart, James Garner, that there's there's a lot of talk about him and the next step of his journey as a younger footballer is to be as consistent as as all the hype is. And I think again, we've seen bits of that since he's been at Forest. I think Forest fans, again, would want to see more. Ryan Yates, there's, there's diff, differing opinions on Ryan Yates. I don't think you can doubt his approach to his game or his devotion to the way he plays football. Whether whether you're looking, whether you're he's getting judged on the fact that he's not scoring the goals or amount of goals that a midfielder, in theory, should do for a team such as Forest to get them up the division is a different debate because goal-scoring midfielders are can be like a certain rocking or something. And if you do get players like that, then they don't hang around in the Championship for very long, do they? And Glenn Murray, we know, um, can score goals, but whether he's been used or serviced in the right way, maybe something that needs to be addressed between now and the end of the season. That, to me, if you it, it, when you look at it as a squad, as a starting eleven, when you've obviously got the likes of Joe and Sammy on the bench, um, Lyle Taylor also on the bench with 
and more to come from everyone that I've spoken about there. The team that gets out of the Championship, as we've spoken about with Norwich, who have been fantastic, kept a lot of players from when they've come down. Swansea, if you look at how they've gone about it. Watford, lots of Premier League experience in there. Bournemouth, of course, with recent their recent Premier League history. They're the teams that you're looking at that you think, well, yep, they really should be up there. The rest, there's, there's, a, there's a whole tranche of teams there that are as good as each other. I think Forest firmly fit into that bracket. And again, consistency, confidence that comes off the back of not having a terrible start, off the back of an awful finish the last season, that hangover that gets shifted and moved away um, is something that should stand them in good stead. Any team, I've, I've spoken about this a lot because because of geographically where I am and the fact that I've had the, again, ridiculous privilege of playing some, for some very, very big clubs, possibly when they were at the very best, which I think um, would be the general consensus. When you look at, say, like a Leeds United and what they would need, what they were looking at in January of last season to get them through and out into the Premier League, the team that's gone up there and done well to try and establish themselves does contain the likes of Liam Cooper, Luke Halen, uh, Patrick Bamford scoring goals in the Premier League now, Calvin Phillips who's come on and developed into a very, very good Premier League midfielder. There's a lot of similarities with players that have come through, like of Forest players that have come through. and Some, some of it's timing, some of it's undoubtedly coaching, obviously with what Bielsa has done with them. Um, but he's taken Leeds into the Premier League for the first time in 16 years, first time he's done it in his career. With Chris, he's got history of this division. He's got experience of the division above. So I think without it sounding too airy-fairy and clutching things out of the air, why not that Forest squad? You're probably asking me as a so-called pundit or former footballer with some form of insight and, and, and opinion on it. But I've, you get that team playing well, knowing what it can do. You get someone who helps Joe get to back, back to what he was with Matty Cash bombing up and down next to him. Um, there's a squad in there that can challenge, undoubtedly. And, and you add to that with uh, a bit of youthful exuberance, a bit of pace that comes uh, that can change a game and being able to be as solid as possible at the back. Then it's a team that should have top six aspirations and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a squad that should have that, given what we've seen from them last season and in fits and starts this season. There's a, a clutch of players who've underperformed, who Forrest are still saddled with. I'll bring up Richard Ottaway's list here. Some mm. of these are a bit harsh, maybe. I think Blackett's been injured a lot. But I'd certainly put Arter mm. and Cole back at the head of that list. What do you Absolutely, do with them? Yeah. What do you do with them, though? Do you go on big money? Can you ship them out? Or do you try and get the best out of them next season? It depends what the pressure is from the, from the people who, who run the finances. If... You're, if if they are players of a certain age on a certain uh, level of income, you'd do well to get them out. That's not me. That's not me casting aspersions on on their approach. I think it, historically, what Colback, the likes of Colback and Arta bring to a midfield is predominantly a bite to it. Predominantly, because um, that's that's the thing we've we've seen. Harry Arta playing. We we saw him play away at Bournemouth in a 10 position, didn't we? Which I don't think suits him. We've no, also seen awful. him play... It wasn't his fault, really. No, but, but that's the thing. It's it's like, I mean, this is me not putting Harry, me in a bracket with Christ journeyman David Prutton that's not played football for God knows how long. It's like putting me at number 10 or on the wing. You kind of scratch it. I mean, I made central midfield look hard enough, but when you go in, can you go and 
go up against a fullback? Well, no, because I'm not quick. I don't have a trick. And my crossing's not very good. You only put me out here to, to run around. So let me run around closer to players where you might see a bit more of the action. So when it comes to using the players correctly, that's quite obviously Chris's responsibility completely. But I think if you have got players such as that and with, with Colback as well, Blackie, I think you're absolutely right. Injuries have hampered that. And and as and and La Terra was was on was on the comment as well, which again, absolutely, if a player comes in and classes himself as a striker and doesn't get the goals, then the fingers pointed straight directly at that player. But sorry, you need to score more goals. That's and whether that's a debate for him to have with the, with the rest of his teammates, saying you need to help me out with this, is is inwardly what you've got to work out on the training pitch and in the dressing room, and then eventually you take it into the games, but. Um, again, without me trying to sound re- relentlessly like, let's look at the positives with this. I'd like to think that the professionalism of, a, of an Arta, the experience of a Harry Arta, of a Colback, means that between now and the end of the season, they show Forest fans what they can do. And at the start of and going into next season, there's a collective sense of sitting around going, lads, there's a hell of a lot of experience in this dressing room. We should be doing and wanting better for ourselves. And like I said, that, I'd like to think that there is. I don't think in that forest, and it doesn't strike me as that, and not having any real inside knowledge with regards to um, the attitude and the aptitude of the players. Does I've been treated to, to, to know what forest fans thought. If it, does anyone strike you as a as a bad egg in and amongst that? There's you, you, there's there's, di- there's a difference between a player not being good enough and a player. That doesn't look like he's willing and, and ready to put a shift in, which again is a bit of an old-fashioned cliche, but that's ticking the first box of page one of being a footballer doing that particular type of thing. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there is. Although it does lead me on to my next question about mm. the lone players. I was going to ask about Knockart because um, he's very, you know, he's very chalk and cheese. He's been very good since he came back, I thought, and second mm. half against Derby, he was very good. I didn't. Mm. I said this on a stream I did the other day. I didn't like his body language at all in the first half at Watford. He didn't seem tuned into the game or whatever it was. Oh, so, it was awful. Well, well the, go- the goal comes from him not um, tracking. Yeah, which you, you you look at it, and we we were chatting about it at half time, and you analyse it, and um, part of you and anything that you do it when we when we talk about that, whether sometimes when things are glaringly obvious, you touch on it. But like if a goalie throws one in, you don't spend hopefully four minutes going, "What has he done there?" Was he's obviously just made a rick and it's been horrendous. Let, let's it's, there's no more you can say about that. It's a mistake. But when you're looking at uh, it was Messina that scored, wasn't it? And when that's just a case of an opponent watching his opponent just. And again, it's, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not being condescending when I say this. When when he runs past you towards your goal, yeah, and triggers you can you kind of just go, oh, he scored. It, 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 it's that's that's not really acceptable. I'd like to think that that would be addressed by his boss and his teammates as well. Yeah, yes, there's a, a lot that goes into it. Too easy. By uh, from Bong uh, fullback to allow to allow um, was it Sarah I think that drove Sarah, and, and yeah. pulled the ball about yeah and yes there's a there's a, a clash with with Samba who gets a hefty knock on his head doesn't he um, but collectively there's a lot of things that go wrong into making that goal come about and then you see the other side of Anthony's game when the swag is there as it was like you say in the derby match a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence which comes from the knockout that we saw. 
helped Brighton into the Premier League. And then I think, yeah, I think, and given what's, I was bounced around a little bit in between getting them into the Premier League and, and wondering where he fits in the Premier League and then maybe being able to come to Forest and, and find his feet again under Chris. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but I think there's, uh, when you look at the consistency of a player and the expectation level on a player, again, that, that's got to be spread around because if he is that good to carry teams on his own uh, and win games on his own, then he's not playing for Forest, uh, who are at the wrong end of the Championship, is he? He's, he's playing in the Premier League with teams that he's helped uh, establish themselves in the Premier League. So it's, um, it's a tough one because, in theory, he's probably played his best football under Chris, hasn't he? And I think that's what Chris will be hoping for uh, from a from a from a create, creative point of view, because that's another thing we discussed after the game, where that creation is going to come from. And I've, I've already mentioned Joe and how good Joe was last season. But sometimes you take players out of a football team that get transferred. It's not just that player that you miss, i.e., Matty Cash. It's what Matty Cash helped to make Joe Lolly over the course of that season. And whether you get someone in that can facilitate that type of play, or just think, Do you know what? Let's try both of them. Get them both on the pitch either side of the pitch, give them the, to give them the freedom to chop and change in the game. If, you know what I mean, like we, we, you see it sometimes when a winger's getting, or not getting the beat of a fullback, he's, he has a little wander off, doesn't he? I'll go and give the other side a blast, see what happens over there. And, and I, I don't think Forrester are out of the woods yet completely when it comes to being able to do what they want in games to see, try out different um, formations and different approaches between now and the season. But I'd like to think they get to a stage of the season where they think, we can give that a bash just to see, maybe gives a sight of what we might see for them next time around. Mm-hmm. So uh, just quickly on Knockhart then, would you want him back mm. next year? He's going to take a chunk of your wage bill, even if you get him back on loan. But he is yeah, quality um, and championship level. So do you take a big slice of your budget and hope that I, he delivers? I think that's the thing. I think he has been quality at championship level. I just think it, that consistency needs to come back. The numbers have to improve, I think, with assists and goals, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I'm trying to think if anyone... Is jumping out off the top of my head that you think um, would be as good or, or an upgrade? None, none at this moment in time. And, and like I said, given his given his um, his history with Chris, all you need, and, and again, apologies for making it sound simplistic, to get out of the championship is that one golden season. If he, if if he comes back and starts ripping things up and, and being the player that, as we saw at Brighton. Then, then it is worth a punt. But again, apologies for sounding a bit vague with this, but it is. It's a, it's a, it's a gamble, isn't it, with regards to put, getting players in your side and, and going. We're committing to this player for twelve months. This is how much money he's going to get, part of our pot. But what we need from you, Anthony, is consistent output. There's, um, there's a very big consensus amongst Forest fans to get Garner back next season on loan if they can. So the other mm. player I was going to ask you about would be Kravinovic. What are your thoughts on him? Because I think he's done really well, but then you look mm. at his actual numbers and it's play 10, scored none, assists none. It's yeah. hard to pin, you know, you can't judge a player just by his numbers. But what do you think when you see Kravinovic? Does he look a top-class championship player to you? Um, I think he's got it in him. I, I, th- I think the Ghana one's really um, um, intriguing because, like I said, the big build-up that he's got. Um, but the fact that we're talking about the player and the numbers that he brings—it's a tough one. Tough one, isn't it? Because we all like a bit of this kind of stat-based um, approach to football. And I think if you're absolutely right, if, if you are playing in um, 
in a football club, in a football team, in a specific position, then the the expectation has has got to be there. And with with Garner being the the younger of the two, um, uh, and obviously Kroon is is no is is not getting on at all. Twenty five is a fantastic age for a footballer, and really hopefully coming into the meat of his of his career with Forest. Um, then I think the player that we've seen obviously at West Brom, the player that we've seen so far at Forest, I think is. Um, is appealing. Is positive. Is uh, there's, there's certainly there should be an, an optimism about him being part of, of of the setup going forward. And with Garner um, being the young player that he is, needing to get the minutes under his belt. Obviously, in the longer run, you are benefiting Manchester United if he becomes a very very good midfielder. But enjoying Wilder's here, getting the best out of him Wilder's here is absolutely imperative from Chris. Um, and I think. I, I can I can see them both in a midfield that could be competitive in the championship. I just think if you look at uh, the first part of the season, the fact that you had James obviously um, experience being at Watford, then coming out of there, then coming to Forest, uh, to get them up to speed whilst games are running out is is a big ask. But also it gives us, as we said, a taste of perhaps what we could see from them next season. And if you, if you go across what we've seen from particularly successful sides at the top end of the championship midfield sticking out with with striking options sticking out again i go back to the team that we spoke about that started the watford game that is a competitive 11 in my eyes it's a competitive squad in my eyes to at least be looking at the top half of the division i think Kravinovic and garner do fit into that i must admit i quite like a midfield next season of garner Kravinovic as an eight not a ten and then johnson mm. as a ten with the eights and cafu yeah backing them up but then you're still left sitting, with... sitting and holding yeah yeah, but then you're still left with Colback and Arta not even on the you know potentially on the bench earning a lot of money. So uh, you but, wouldn't want to be then, building. A, you wouldn't be necessarily building. It's going to be in Chris Houston's shoes in the sense that no. it's not not easy, is it? Well, it's not. But it, managing Forest isn't easy, and and following Forest is infinitely less easy than <laughs> all, all of the above. So I, I can see that. So I, I'm sure Forest fans are sat there, arms folded, saying, "Come on, then." Put that team together shows shows how it's meant to function. I think the, that that formation that you just said there, mate, is really intriguing, isn't it? Because if and again, without wanting to heap um, pressure on the shoulders of a player that's not physically wearing the Forest shirt at this moment in time, the the dynamism at which Brennan plays with and the athleticism that he's got. Again, going back to the Matty Cash Joe Lolly conundrum of how a player can make a teammate better. Maybe we'll see that with, with a player such as Brennan coming into the fold. And, and it, you don't have to shake things up purely from a personality point of view. You can shake things up from the way that you play football, the energy and the exuberance that you bring. And this is me, before we get into anything tactical or technical about Brennan, because he's a very good footballer. Um, the Just just the kind of footballing personality that, that you see as a, as a, as a player coming in. And when you say, like you say, with the likes of Cafu there and Colback, um, when we see, I mean, another player in, in, in Samba So, who we've, we've discussed in the past, who's brought a steal to a Forest midfield. You, there's, there's many, there's, there's players there that we're listing that fit into a very similar mould. And I think it is, it is a conundrum for, for Chris when it comes to whether you go with the experience of Anata or, um, like you say, call back or, or players such as that, or you do kind of 
have them in reserve, have them as a, as as part of a squad, and go with a bit of a younger, less world weary element. True. Well, Sarri's out of contract, so I think he might be a victim of what we talked about that many midfielders and his injury record. Yeah, so well, that, but might, that's what, that's might. what I mean. But when we've spoken about Forrest in the past, when we've when we've looked at games where he's not played. There's, there was a certain stretch of games under Sabri where Forest were a better side with him in it, were a stronger side mm-hmm. with him in it. But as you say, when when injuries creep up, and especially especially given it's not only the financial impacts of what the pandemic's brought, but I think it's it's made um, judgment on players possibly even more immediate, hasn't it? Sammy Amiobi again, another player. Um, maybe Chris has seen enough of these players and thought, well. If we're going to give you contracts and you can't guarantee me games, every player is, of course, at the mercy of form and fitness. Then you've got to move on. He's got to go on to another player that he feels he can get more minutes out of, and for it to become have more uh, punch for the pound when it comes to being able to say, "We're paying this player X amount of money." In theory, I'm going to get X amount of games out of it. But it might come down when we talk about numbers of players. It might come down to the numbers um, when it comes to him discussing that with the people upstairs are in charge, that type of thing. True, true. One other name I'll throw out there quickly. Have you seen yeah. also this other this other kid at Lincoln, Rogers, the one they've got on loan from Man City? I wouldn't mind seeing him coming on loan. Yes, scored, scored last night, didn't he? I think. Yeah, very um, good, yeah. And he's, he's been, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it's Again, it's testament to, to what Michael Appleton's doing with that side, that he's getting good players from good teams that, he he's got a real affinity with coaching him. I've, I've seen his kind of coaching journey, if you like, which is such an eggy way of saying someone's career. But he's um, he's certainly got a, an ability, a very good coaching ability. And I think that that's a terrific shout. That's a terrific shout. Can you imagine if if you get Brennan coming back to his hometown club, you also get Rogers coming off the back of wanting to learn, wanting to develop, going up that extra level but also with a player that he knows well and the game that he knows of him after having that experience at Lincoln. There's there's another intriguing proposition. And given how much money Man City have got, he likes to think they might pick up most of the bill. You'd hope. You'd hope. Right, let's finish. <laughs> we, we touched on it uh, ages, way back at the start of this, about the Championship mm. in general next season. How do you think the, the landscape's going to be? Because there'll always be Premier League parachute money. So team, mm-hmm. there's going to be a clutch of teams with a lot in the bank. There's also, it sounds like, from what we're hearing this week, going to be a clutch of clubs who are absolutely skint because of the mm. pandemic. Is it going to be a very uneven playing field next year, do you think? It's going to be... It's, I mean, the, the, the attritional side of it as well might come to the fore. I think I don't think the clubs have had a free hit at, at it, considering fans haven't been there, because it... Yes, you get that instant reaction and the visceral reaction of fans that are in stadiums, whether it's joyous cheer or uh, quite heavy set booing, which instantly tells you whether people think you've been good, bad or indifferent. Uh, but there's because there's an ability to watch football and, and pull it apart and discuss it as as it's all been done uh, digitally and remotely now means that there's, ironically, there's a it feels like there's more focus on it than ever before, doesn't it? And we've seen... Teams struggle without fans. We've seen teams blossom without fans. But I think if, if you look at the potential of who might come down, West Brom, you feel, Sheffield United, you feel, um, and whether it's either Newcastle, Brighton or Fulham, you've got three sizable clubs coming down, like you say, with that clout that comes with the parachute payments. And 
then clubs that have been kind of waiting in the wilderness of the second tier for quite a long period of time. Forest have got to come into that. Derby have got to come into that. Uh, Reading, I think, if they're still in the division, Stoke is another one. Uh, well, so many. But I'm, I'm, I'm quite obviously just listing the table that I'm looking at here. But um, for, for the rest who haven't got that those specific finances, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be really, really tough. And I think as we saw with tightening the belts at Premier League level, I think we're going to see a lot of that from from Championship clubs. I, I just hope that that doesn't mean that that bites and eats into the quality that we see on the pitch. Again, I think the quality has varied and, and it has ebbed and flowed over the course of a season because of... Um, because of, I mean, t- t- let's not take away the human element of being a, a looking at players to perform in, in what are very tumultuous times, but also the speed that the games are coming around, the fact that we've had less of a break, the fact that it's quite obvious there's been less money spent on on pitch pitches and maintenance to that. And, and understandably so, if you're in charge of a big business and you can get away without throwing money at things, um, yes, it's important to have a good pitch, that, but it's not absolutely imperative, is it? I mean, if it doesn't look like a bowling green in the middle of a pandemic, I think a lot of people are going, well, we can understand that. We can we can, we can can let you off with that one. But I, th- I think it's, it's such a valid point that you raised, Matt, that there could be, a huge discrepancy and a disparity between the haves and the have-nots and whether that gets redressed it won't get redressed over the course of the season because if you're looking at teams that are looking at balance sheets and clubs that are looking at balance sheets that again once again I'm not just saying this to, to blow smoke at the backside of backsides of supporters but as, uh, yes we, we love the fact that they're there they make a lot of noise they, they they're part of the very fabric of what we know to be the football that we love, but the money side of it is as well. They've got to get them through the gates. They've got to get the numbers back through the gates to be able to facilitate football clubs motoring on and getting hopefully back to some form of balance. But it's an intriguing, I say intriguing. It's an yeah, it's an intriguing proposition to to think perhaps of what the um, the championship could look like. And it, it and again, it just and it, sorry to waffle on, but it, it does bring into real sharp focus just how monumental that achievement is to climb out and kind of get there. Leeds have done it. I'm sorry, sorry, Forest fans to mention Leeds again, but Leeds have done it after such a long period of time. They're then spending 15, 20 million pounds on players, they're talking about redeveloping Ellen Road. They're talking about what it brings to the city, what it brings to the region. And Forest fans, I'm sure, sat there going, why not? They're thinking, what if? Why can't that be? How we go about it? Yes, the the intangibles are minutiae of, of getting Leeds into the Premier League, and getting Forest into the Premier League are very are very very different. But um, to to have that one stellar season that gets you back up and gives you that foothold, that that kind of fingers gripping onto the to the ledge of what the Premier League is, then suddenly the future looks a lot brighter. But I'm making it sound straightforward. It's a hell of a task, and it'll be just as tough, if not harder, next season. Why not indeed? Why not for Forest? Let's hope we can keep dreaming. That's why we're all still the here. Hope that brings you back, mate. Brings you back. It keeps us all believing, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Right. We shall leave it there. Thanks to everyone who watched along and asked questions as ever. If you want to shout at the TV and tell David that he's biased against Forest, you can catch him on Sky Sports. And also, let me just butt in there. We had one the other week, and, and, and you know, you know, I like to reference when people hammer me because it's. Uh, a, it keeps your feet on the ground. B, I find it quite funny. Um, we were discussing off the back of the of 
the East Midlands derby, of course. And I, I was in the strange position where we were we were chatting about it on a on like a roundup results thing, and and the the my, my mate who was running it had the wonderful pleasure of being able to batter me from both sides of that question <laughs> that I wasn't being nice about Forest and I wasn't being nice about Derby. So I, it was a conundrum that I found myself in, thinking, well, I don't know what I've managed to hit on there. <laughs> like to, 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 to annoy both sets of fans involved in that is, um, is, um, is bizarre, but that's, that's, that's the way it is. And it, it gives you a laugh as well, doesn't it? Which is the main thing. <laughs> I know I, um, I did hashtag NFFC and Prutland before this just to see what people were saying, and it gives gives me a laugh. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see whether it's worth putting a tweet out just to say David Prutland's going exactly. to be on this. Well, I, 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 and it's funny because we've mentioned Alan Rogers on this before, aka Tank, haven't we? And I was listening to, um, again, another podcast, I mean, which we, we, we've all managed to fall into off the back of what's gone on. And it was Andy Johnson talking on one about his time at Forest. And it's it's he it was talking about Tank and, and their their relationship. I say relationship. They were just it was a, a two man wrecking crew, wasn't it? And it was just <laughs> fasc- fascinating to hear that because uh, we we mentioned it earlier on about Forrester in a cer- at the turn of the century in a certain kind of incarnation and, and what Andy was or Jono and and what Tank was like. And it's it's football from a different era, not only on the pitch but even more so off the pitch, which. Um, if if you wanna if, if you want if you want an inside track on what it was like, I'd search that up because it, it's it's staggeringly frightening. <laughs> Some of the things that they got up to, and I saw a lot of it firsthand, and it's all true. But um, it's just funny, isn't it? Are we are we all we all ebb and flow, but fundamentally we've got uh, the best interests of Forest, hopefully at heart. True, true. We all grow up, although I'm not sure those two do. No, them those two don't. Come on. <laughs> right, we'll leave it there. If you're an Inter Milan for an, an Inter Milan fan or a Juventus fan, you can also moan at David on Premier Sports when he's on Syria when he's commenting on Syria. I'm sure there's a few Juventus fans there. It's finished yeah, on hey, that, 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 that Ronaldo lad that knows born, does he? Well, let's finish on Juventus. They got knocked out of the Champions League last night. They've won two Champions Leagues, and so have Nottingham Forest from two attempts being in the competition. No, Boom. three being in the so not too bad at all right thanks very much everyone we shall be back next week and thanks as ever to Prutz who uh, always helps us out have a good week everyone we'll see you soon thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red a Nottingham Forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening thanks for listening